digital account opening. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody wants to do it. One company managed to pull it off. How did they do it? You'll find out this week on Bankadelic. From the studios of Karma Productions Worldwide in Chicago, this is Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic. Bankadelic, the colorful side of finance, where we supply expert views, riff on the news, innovate and investigate actionable insights unscripted. Banking with a caffeine kick. I'm your host, Lou Carloso, inviting you to sit back, grab a cuppa, kick up your feet. Here we go. Ahoy, mateys. Raise that cup of grog, coffee, root beer, whatever you got, and welcome to Bankadelic, or welcome back. This week, we are privileged to present a company that has generously supported us, Quantic Bank. Here we have Patrick Sells, the Chief Innovation Officer at Quantic, headquartered in New York City. Patrick is tasked with leading the digital transformation and redefining exactly what a community bank looks like in 2020 and beyond. That includes strategy and the execution across all departments at Quantic. Prior to joining the company 18 months ago, Patrick built and led Sales Group, a marketing and technology consulting firm based in Indianapolis that he started in 2010. And Patrick, welcome to Bankadelic. Honored to be a part of the show today. You talk about breaking the system for financial empowerment. And in that phrase, I hear both the breaking down and the building up. Tell me what you mean by that and why you think it's so important to the core philosophy of what you're doing at Quantic. Yeah, so we just rolled that out as a mission statement recently, and it really speaks to the heart of what we're trying to do. And underlying it is this recognition or understanding that the banking system or the financial system is set up today by big banks and big money. And it offers, in many cases, a one-size-fits-all solution. And while that's great and works for many people, we believe that there's a lot of individual groups of people and smaller groups that are left out. And they're basically told it's the bank's way or the highway. And so what we're trying to do is uniquely focus on those groups, whether it's immigrants, let's say, or self-employed people in America, gig economy workers. It can even be high net worth individuals. And we want to get to know their life circumstances and say, how can we as a bank step in and empower your life? And so it presents a rebellious stand, but also this position that says, look, we're not trying to own 100% of the market or this large market share. We really care about working with groups of people and making sure that their lives are better as a result of banking with Quantic. Empowerment is something banks talk about a lot, a lot of lip service, not always a lot of innovation. Take us inside what innovation means to you and how you're trying to make it visible. Innovation is obviously a buzzword today. And I, you know, I have the title of chief innovation officer, but innovation oftentimes carries a connotation of technology. And that's absolutely a part of what we mean, but it's much broader than that. It's about saying, how do we do everything differently? We know what the status quo is. You know, we believe businesses don't grow, people do. And so when you grow your people, you'll grow your business. And we made the decision that we were going to change how HR was done at a bank, for example. And we brought on a chief people officer. And that person's job sits on top of HR. And yes, we do all the HR functions, but we're really focused on how do we lay out a three-year roadmap for every employee? How do we empower them? Another example of that is 
we actually provide free financial counseling to all of our employees, not just our customers. We as a bank are trying to be innovative, not just about technology, but obviously with technology. And so really, it speaks to, I'd say, one of our core values that we have, which is called try it on. Just like you go into a store and you try on many things, regardless of its technology, people or processes, we want to be in a constant state of trying new things and innovating. Innovation has become a buzzword instead of a reality. It is much more than the gadgets, the shiny new toys. It's how you treat people. And that's your greatest resource. Absolutely. And we're not perfect by any stretch, but it's been a fun journey for us over these last couple of years as we're trying to figure out not just what innovative ideas we want to do and how do we bring life to that, but also infusing that throughout the culture. It's been a fun learning journey for sure. You guys could have called yourself antibank.com, and yet you (laughs) have been outspoken about saying that if you're a tech entrepreneur and interested in finance, there are reasons to go work at a bank as opposed to a fintech. What do you mean by that? There's a lot to unpack there. One, I think fintechs have been fantastic. They came onto the scene and they've really shaken up a lot about the financial industry. As a result of that, the overall industry has progressed. But I think one of the things that banks, especially community banks, have done is we've stayed on the sidelines and we've let these fintechs go out and innovate. And so I see all these fintechs out there that go raise money from venture capital and private equity, and then they end up paying a huge chunk of that money to a bank to be a bank behind the scenes. They need access to the ACH rails or the wire rails or MasterCard or Visa, the subledgering system, et cetera. And so raise all this money, pay it to a bank, inefficient. Banks could say to technology entrepreneurs, hey, come build out your idea within the bank and you don't have to be spending all of this money then paying a bank to be a bank. Let's do it together. You realize that a few years ago, those might have been considered fighting words, not just by the banks, but the fintechs, right? Because the fintechs are over here and the banks are over here. And if I'm hearing you correctly, banks and fintechs could build something together from scratch and integrate as they go, which would be a lot cleaner. Absolutely. And I think it creates a whole new marketplace than for banks, right? Now, all of a sudden, as a bank is innovating, now it becomes a whole other business channel, if you will, or revenue channel. Because as of today, very few banks sell innovation to other banks, right? And so I think it creates not only more efficiency for the end customer, I think it creates more efficiency for you know the banking industry as a whole. People are taking a hard look and a timely look at what types of things they can be doing to pivot and even advance their businesses right now. What have you looked at in terms of where the present situation has asked you to change? The COVID-19 situation has been largely negative and it's deeply affected us as a bank in New York City. We've been hit pretty hard as a largely residential mortgage focus on the lending side as a bank. So we've seen about 25% of all of our mortgages request forbearance. In that instance, we've been very negatively impacted. On the flip side, we have a very innovative product that we had just rolled out right when this was happening called Quantic Max. It can be a money market or a checking account for individuals or businesses that provides FDIC insurance up to $160 million. Almost as soon as COVID had happened, we started getting a lot of interest in that product because of all the uncertainty in the market. There's an example of where we've been able to really, you know, discover new opportunities as a result of all of this.
When you talk about those opportunities, we should stress they need Quantic and other banks to step forward. They need the help. That's going to create a lot of customer loyalty in the long run. It isn't just business. This is about human lives. Yeah, absolutely. We, I think, were the first bank or one of the first banks in New York City to go work from home. We want to help our employees. But at the same time, even before we did that, we had already reached out to all of our borrowers saying, we know that COVID's happened and we begin offering forbearance early, early on. And same thing, you know, even on the deposit side, we recognized we had a large amount of CDs and we began emailing out to all of our customers saying, look, if you want to break your CD penalty free, you can. Quite a few people took us up on that and really appreciated that. I think it's created a lot of goodwill and strong relationships between us and customers. Every bank in America, and I think they are, stepping up and saying, how can we help the customers that we have? People in financial services listening will want to know one thing. How did you launch a digital account opening system and fund your entire balance sheet this way? I can think of few, if any, institutions that have managed to pull it off. That's been a journey for us, for sure. I mentioned one of our core values at the beginning called Try It On. We have four of them. Another one is progress, not perfection. The destination for us isn't about perfection. It's about being in a constant state of progress. And that's what we try to focus on. And that's really what the pivot to being a digital bank has been for us. So in late 2018, we got in some trouble with our regulators for actually having too much reliance on wholesale deposits. And so that kind of put the fire to us to try to fix this. And we knew the only way we could do it through digital account creation. And so we jumped onto that. And, you know, about 16 months later from when we started, we have been able to replace our entire balance sheet with deposits this way. There's been, you know, a lot of things we learned along the way. We've managed to experience very, very little fraud, which was something that I think we were very concerned about. And we knew from other banks um, that that had been a struggle for them. And I think part of that for us was taking a different approach to technology than many banks do. Looking at it, banks vet out a technology and then oftentimes you're signing a three, five or 10 year deal. And so you're kind of locking yourself into that technology, all the good and the bad on it. When we started this, you know, we went with a account opening solution that our core provider offered. It worked. It was good. It didn't work very well. About six months into it, we realized we had put way too much friction in the experience and customers weren't finishing the application. In particular, that friction was around the KYC and fraud piece. And so we made a decision to actually pull that piece out and we replaced it with a third party provider called Jumio. When someone then came to our application, they would first actually encounter Jumio where they would take a picture of their ID and a selfie and we would validate it. And then they would move into the application that our core offered us. And we saw a marked increase in conversion rates, which was good. And we saw a decrease in fraud. And because of the increased conversion rates, the marketing acquisition spend went down, which was a positive. But after about six months of that, we realized it still wasn't where we wanted it to be. And we worked on kind of our next iteration, which we just rolled out a few months ago. And so today, a customer can now open an account in less than three minutes compared to the 10 minutes when we started. We see a completion rate above 80% compared to 20% and fraud's at an all-time low. But I think for any bank who wants to move into this, 
you have to go into it knowing that your first approach won't be perfect. And don't try to be perfect because you don't know what's going to happen, right? You need to focus on progress. But once you figure that out, things can find that it's actually a very easy thing. It just requires a different mindset. You know, if I had to wait in a teller line for three minutes, I would consider that a world speed record. Uh, exactly. <laughs> what do you hope to try on next? Things looking ahead, you are really excited to explore and perhaps tackle. Great question. I think from you know an operations standpoint, one of the technologies that I've become most intrigued with is RPA, robotic processing automation. Banks could benefit by using this technology. And I know many banks across the country are beginning to think about this and you know talk to regulators and work through how could we leverage technology like that. So that's definitely something I would put at the top of my list for the next year. We've also got several innovative deposit products that we're going to be rolling out. So when we made the switch to being a digital bank, initially, we kind of went out there with the typical high interest rates. And that worked for us, but I think there's a lot more we can do and true to our mission. We've got three or four very exciting new checking accounts that we're going to roll out this year that the industry's never seen. And so I'm really excited to get those live and see how they work. And very excited to have you here with us. Very grateful that you have stepped up and become a booster for Bankadelic. Patrick, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you, Lou. And really appreciate the work you do and the honor to be a part of the show today. Patrick Sells is the Chief Innovation Officer at Quantic Bank based in New York City. You can look for Patrick on LinkedIn. Bankadelic, sponsored by the William Mills Agency. For close to 40 years, the William Mills Agency has served hundreds of companies that provide a wide range of products and services in the banking, payments, mortgage, credit union, and related markets. The William Mills Agency is the largest provider of PR and marketing services for companies that market to the financial industry. For more information, visit williammills.com. Quantic is the adaptive digital bank that offers entrepreneurs, immigrants, millennials, low-income families, seniors, and others innovative banking products and services which embrace the diversity of circumstances that exist in the lives of customers while elevating their financial strength. For more information, visit QuanticBank.com. That's Q-U-O-N-T-I-C Bank.com. And so today, oh, what's that? What? Hold on a second. Okay, this just came in from Jenny from the Bankadelic Limerick Department, which has been working overtime, by the way. And, and here's what they've got. Of all digital banking joints, Quantic will not disappoint. Now here's Patrick Sells. Listen up while he tells his story with three, three bullet, bullet points. points. Number one. Innovation oftentimes carries a connotation of technology, but it's much broader than that. One of our core values is called try it on. Just like you go into a store and you try on many things, regardless of its technology, people or processes, we want to be in a constant state of trying new things and innovating. Number two. I see all these fintechs out there raise all this money 
pay it to a bank inefficient. Banks could say to technology entrepreneurs, hey, come build out your idea within the bank and you don't have to be spending all of this money paying a bank to be a bank. Let's do it together. Number three. For any bank who wants to move into this, you have to go into it knowing that your first approach won't be perfect. And don't try to be perfect because you don't know what's going to happen, right? You need to focus on progress. But once you figure that out, banks can find that it's actually a very easy thing to just require a different mindset. And now, lose views. Have you ever been at your job, called into the back office, and had a mistake you made pointed out, only to have the supervisor look at you and say, make sure it never happens again? Well, I have. I was thinking at the time, I like to tell my kids, similar to what Patrick Sells told us on the podcast today, it's not about perfection, it's correction. Ultimately, employees answer to supervisors, supervisors answer to managers, managers answer to the C-suite, the C-suite answers to the CEO, and the CEO answers to someone too, the shareholder. If we all look at each other, feeling that we need to be error-free, we are overlooking an essential, not just in financial services, but the history of innovation itself. We will try and we will fail and we will fail and we will fail. And eventually, if we're doing the right thing, we will incorporate the learnings we get along the way to come up with a superior result, a breakthrough, a way of serving each other in the workplace that makes people genuinely happy and proud. Innovation is lip service in an overwhelming number of workplaces, even those that purport to be all about innovation. The truth is not many of us walk our talk, but the hope is that many of us can learn to do so and watch the results shine all around us. Thanks for tuning in to Bankadelic. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault. Our producer in Chicago is Jenny Elman. Thanks again to the William Mills Agency for their generous sponsorship. You can catch me on LinkedIn. You won't catch me at the gym. I'm Lou Carloso. Until next time, so long. Bankadelic is a production of Karma Productions Worldwide, Chicago.